Hi, you're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Hey, welcome to Boggy Talk. It's <laughs> oh, we have a little fun setup in the studio today. So uh, our audio interface wasn't working for multiple microphones. So James and I are sharing a microphone because we have a very special guest joining us. The very, very right Reverend uh, Jeff Bliss. Oh, well, thank uh, you. Who's a member here at church. You're ordained. You're uh, ordained. Uh, not yet. I just like to make stuff up. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he's here joining us today as we uh, talk about vision and really just our own lives and how we carry God's vision building off of last week. But before we dive into uh, talking to Jeff, how are you doing, James? Well, thank you for asking, Justin. So first of all, you sound so fancy when you said audio interface. That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. You could have just said the mics aren't working. And, yeah. you know, but, but that made you sound way more like technical and like you know what you're doing. Also, um, both of our breaths smell strong like coffee. Yeah. So oh, I smell yeah. yours and you probably mm. smell mine. Um, but I'm great, man. I'm great. It's today, February. What? It's the day after President's Day. Know. I know that. Yeah. February 20th, right? Yeah, February 20th. We'll so yeah, it's. I'm good, man. Yeah. I don't know why I had to know the date to know that I'm good, but I Go had to get it. my bearings. So we're recording this like moments before it drops. So yeah. How are you, Justin? Hey, thanks for the microphone. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> This is James's dream come true. Like, don't give Justin the mic. Just, I'm just kidding. What? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm doing well. You know, uh, yesterday, well, all weekend, we were building a fence in our backyard. And so uh, my hands are a little torn up from some splinters because when you're building a fence with teenagers, they aren't necessarily the most careful when they're carrying wood and you're trying, they're trying to help and they just kind of drop things. And uh, so I do have some good marks on my hands but other than that i'm doing great jeff how are you i'm doing great yeah that's awesome you're making new fences good good fences make good neighbors is what they say <laughs> that's exactly that's right awesome. well we're kind of blocking a neighbor speaking of president's day right that's oh. what good fences make good neighbors yeah, that's right <laughs> all right so uh so jeff we're so glad you're here uh you're a great guy jeff if you don't know jeff gives great hugs uh, uh jeff's a great hugger every time i see jeff it's it's a big old partly because you're you're like my height too, which is like mm. we're the same height, I think. But you're you're just you're stronger than me. And so uh, some days, like, yeah. And uh, but beyond being a great hugger, Jeff, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell our Boggy Talk audience a little bit about who you are. Well, my name is Jeff, and everybody knows my bride Rachel with the red hair, and my kids Brody and Aria. And uh, we've been here for a bit, but not a long bit, just a little bit shorter than y'all have. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, we've been here. I've been in the military. Uh, I did military for 20 years, so that's that. I was in the Air Force, uh, so all the Army guys don't hate, please. Uh, yeah, and we've been— At uh, your retirement speech, you said, that's that, and that was it, right? That's exactly how that went, because I didn't even have one. It was great. <laughs> I just disappeared. I had pe- people in my, my former year like, are you, are you retired? Like, yeah, I'm out. To, uh, so now I now I work for a logistics company, moving uh, moving things around the world, which is a, a great time. You physically are moving things around the world, though. Physically, Explain what you do? Yes, yeah. I, I do fly airplanes that that move stuff. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> and like literally around the world. Uh, literally, like where, are you allowed to say places you go? Sure, on the yeah, internet, uh, all around, literally around the globe. Much the concern of the uh, the flat earthers. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like I keep going west and I end up where I started. But yeah, uh, so Alaska, China, Germany, uh, Dubai, all these other places, England, and then come back around. So, yeah, that's that's what I do. Um, Born and raised in the church, if you will. Not this church, thankfully. I was actually hopefully born in a hospital, but I 
don't remember, <laughs> don't remember that. Uh, so yeah, originally from Michigan and then moved around with the military everywhere. And here we are and here we will stay. Uh, in wonderful Nashville, Florida. Lord willing. Lord yes. willing. Yeah. Lord so willing. I remember the first time I met you and your family. It actually was 4th of July. Mm. You guys came to our 4th of July picnic yep. uh, with your neighbors, the Williams. Shout out to Scott and Tammy. Oh, they're great. Uh, and, uh, and I remember thinking, man, that guy is a big goofball. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking that. And then here's my other memory is like I, I was drawing names for door prizes and you guys won a prize. I don't remember what you won, oh, but yeah, I remember like Oh, hey, the big, the big goofball goes won a big prize. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and when I say goofball, I mean that as oh. a goofball, like I, you have an eye for other goofballs. Game so recognizes like, game. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll never forget. I, I met uh, James after like our second week here. He just, he just slayed it up on the, on the stage. And I was like, man, he just delivered a sermon that was awesome. I walked down the side. We'd never met before. And I just gave him a big double high five. And he was like, who on earth is this person? <laughs> Love it. And it's been epic ever since. I just like that you said the big goofball. What a prize. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the first time Jeff and I had coffee, I was like, so tell me about your life growing up. He was like, I'll never forget this. You're like, well, I'm a spoiled, rich doctor's kid. That's what you said about yourself. And I'm like, only child. It's a great start, right? I'm like, Uh, dude, you're just embracing like. Oh, yeah. I do have a sister, actually. Yeah. Did you say only child? Uh, no, no, I am not. Oh, an only oops, child, but close. that's weird because you said that and you deconstructed your childhood. <laughs> it's and so said, close, but not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, okay. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Well, hey. So um, we had you come on here because we were talking through last week. I know you listen mm. to Boggy Talk, so you're I aware. Do. I do. about just like hey, keeping your vision uh, and specifically just as individuals. We're going to talk more about church and stuff as we go on in kind of the next few weeks, but. You know, it'd be great to hear from someone uh, who's been in the military, uh, who's now working, you know, another job. Uh, just a little bit, you know, we're, we're weird, right? We're pastors. We're and not a go- normal and a people. goofball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like from you, just a little bit about uh, specifically moving your family all over the world, uh, just how you you and Rachel ensured, hey, the vision of our family's life is to follow the Lord and uh, to prioritize each other. Just may- maybe talk through kind of some things that help you guys, and we'll jump in and ask some questions. Absolutely. Yeah, as I would love to say that we had this perfect vision when we got married. You know, we hung it over our, our fireplace and said, this is what our family's going to be. That's not the case. Uh, we have everything from doing things our way to doing things God way and everything in between. And it was, uh, it's been an awesome trip. And uh, I'm, I just have to preface it all with Rachel is awesome. My bride has been fantastic throughout. Um, there's a lot of grace both ways. And God has been the center of the relationship, even when we didn't make it that, mm. which is really kind of neat. Um, because we we were mm. Mm. <laughs> yes I had to lean in, yeah, yeah. in to get yeah. the mm. yes uh, so we uh, we started out uh, 2003 is when I started our, my career I got commissioned and the very next day I got married we got married Rachel and I got married um, and then <laughs> they give you a wife at that is, is that how that works not standard issue <laughs> that's funny not standard issue no uh, she's she is not military grade she's much higher grade okay, than that okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we, if any military guys are going to hear this sequence of, of locations, be like, oh my goodness, hashtag blessed. What a career. Uh, Japan, then Little Rock, and then Germany. I don't think anyone heard Little Rock. And no, thought, no. Yeah, that, that, no yeah. offense to the Razorbacks yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. But. No, no offense to Wu Pixui. Uh, no offense to those guys. But yeah, that was the worst part of okay, the whole yeah. journey, right? Um, 
And that's still pretty good. Then in Germany, and then we went to Bucharest, Romania, and I had to look it up on a map too. And then we came to Hurlburt, and that's where we finished out our career. And it's like, oh my goodness, how on earth? It's like, God, not not only was God saturating our lives, but He was also like, I got some good locations for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that uh, we got to we got to live a vision uh, for God when we first started. It was. How we want to do it. We're Christians, right? We're Christians in the military, and we're going to do it our way. Like, okay, here's my options. What do I want to do? With no reference to God. Like, I want to be a pilot. I definitely want to be a pilot. Here's what I want to go fly. And it was all about me and me, 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 me. And what do I want? Um, fast forward, you know, a few years, and uh, it was like, okay, God, you know, like, here are the options we have selected. Which one would you like us to go to? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, that – and and then – even beyond that, uh, one of our when, how we ended up in Bucharest, Romania, we we're sitting in Germany, going, "Okay, we know we're going back to the states. Obviously, you can't have so many good tours in a row." And uh, before we had any selection sheet at all, we we're just like, "All right, God, take this, like take this one." Um, so going from my way to God's way, and I tell you what, ever since we did that, uh, that in our maturity, perhaps. Um, I was just like, God, take this. And it ended up being a blank sheet, and it was thoroughly a God assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we connected with a great community. Uh, but in all of it, looking back, we can see God's hand guiding the whole thing. Good. So the other night at dinner, uh, we were actually at a dinner together, and we were talking about how really Philippians 2, mm-hmm. which we've been going through, we went through the Sunday, how we do nothing – or sorry, two weeks ago, how we do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, and like how – much of a challenge it is to constantly put God's will uh, before our own will and our own ambition. Um, And that for the normal average person, like that's a challenge, right? But like for a military person, you have to like do all the career things Mm, in 20 years. Like for us, you know, from in forties, you're really hitting the peak of your career. Right. And like, you're at the sunset of your career in 40s yeah. in military. So start a brand new one. <laughs> what would you say? And 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 I know this is boggy talk, right? So there's oh, not like yeah. a clear cut answer. But what would you say to our military guys who, you know, rightfully so want to do well, to have influence, to provide for their family. They just have a God-given worth, work ethic. But also that seems to conflict with commitment to Jesus, commitment to the church, commitment to their family. Like what would you say about wrestling through that tension of ambition and career versus prioritizing God and family? Yeah, that's a, it, it is a body one that's really appropriate um, because the, uh, it's really difficult to have your vision when you are literally given a vision by a unit <laughs> commander. Like here's my vision. <laughs> Some other person comes into your life and says, Here's my vision, and it's now yours. Yeah. And hopefully that, you know, it's all the way up the chain of command is the same, which is not always. Uh, but I, I will say it's uh, when we get a vision for our lives from God, and, and, and you know, I don't want to say a perfect world, but in a good world where we're, we're taking our lives, we're taking our careers, we're taking our marriages, we're taking our, our parenting, we're taking our, how we follow, how we lead, and we're saying, God, take it. Give me your vision for my life. It's no longer my vision. And I, I, I feel like uh, the more I aligned with this isn't my vision for my life, this is God's vision for my life, and then assuming that, uh, it's, it's that that concept, God, give me the desires of my heart. I always had that wrong. I was like, here's the desires of my heart, God. I want you to give me those things. And no, it's uh, change my heart so that my desires are your desires for my life. Mm-hmm. And good. so when I do that uh, and when I find myself even in small things doing that, it lines up the way God wants it to with the beautiful grace that even when I mess it up in God's 
in God's uh, economy, there's no such thing as a lost opportunity. He's like, oh, you decided to go that way? Well, I can make it work through that too. Yeah. You know, you decided to go that way? I can make it work through that too. Oh, you didn't take that opportunity? That's fine. It's not gone. Just different. Um, but to to the guys in the military and the girls in the military that are trying to trying to sort through this, how do I – these conflicting visions. Um, God's in all of it. God's in the future. God's in the past. God's in the present. He's already in it right now. So when you're like, man, I got no option but to do what my commander says. Or here's my vision from life. I'm, I, you know, I feel like I should be, a, you know, an expert at insert whatever career field it is. Um, when we take that and we're just like, God, can you show me what you want in this? He always shows up. And that that is to us has been the pivotal uh, transformation that we experienced was instead of saying, you know, like in our first assignments like here's here's what i want to do in the looking back on it god was still on yep and i can move in that too you haven't even submitted it to me and i can move in that too um and so when we have these conflicting visions nothing conflicts with god's vision when he's in it you know so he he can work in any commander's vision he can work in any family vision um because that's how he he saturates us with his personality when we allow him to do that it's like god what do you want in this He's like, well, sometimes he's like very clearly, here's where I'm going to take you. Other times he's like, go where you're going to go. Do what you want to do, and I'll be with you in that. And so when we find ourselves uh, in assignments or in locations or in places where it's just really conflicted, like, oh, man, I got to focus on career. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my livelihood, uh, be it in the military or not. God understands that. He doesn't get frustrated. He's like, yeah, I'm right here with you. I, I got you. I'm, I'm right here with you. You keep turning your heart to God in that daily moment. Um, I need him every minute. Some people are like, oh, on a daily. I'm like, no, no, no. I need him like every minute. Like when I walk out the door, I need him again. <laughs> like, Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so. hey, um, you were talking about uh, really this, like how when you guys first got married, uh, you know, the, your plans and you thought, hey, I'm a Christian. And so it'll just work out um, versus really having God's vision for your life. And I think that's where a lot of people stay, you know, mm, like, Hey, yeah. I just pursue my dreams. I believe in Jesus. So it's all good. And I'm just curious if you looking back can identify, I mean, God had to do that work in you guys's heart. Uh, can you identify some specific circumstances or people or, um, just tools that, how did God do that? If you could go back and say, here's how, here's what that transformation looked like, and here's how some some key things that God did in us, here's how He did it. Yeah, um, I would say habits is number one. Uh, he uh, he brought us back to Him, if you will. Brought me. I don't want to. I'm going to speak it for my bride. She's uh, she's got an awesome life with God, um, and we don't have the same life with God. They're parallel, but they're good. Um, but in my heart, it was habits. My habit was always I'm going to attend church. Even when I can't, I, you know, I need to read the Bible. I need to be involved because I was raised with that habit. So in our habits, uh, he has transformed us. Um, and there have been humbling moments. There's been some rock bottom, rock bottom moments in marriage, rock bottom moments in careers. Um, and I would say because of that habit, those habits of I got to turn to him. Um, even when I was totally selfish, I was pushing God away. I was saying, nope, I don't want to hear from you. He was still there. And then when I hit rock bottom, it was like, God still does love me, doesn't he? And that wasn't my voice. That was someone else speaking that into me. Um, and I would say it's the, sur- the people you're surrounded with, self with. Uh, when you're surrounded with people that love God, you'll, he will speak truth into your life through mm-hmm. those things. 
So kind of transitioning here, now you're in a role where you're gone about half the time, right? I mean, I kind of, I know there's some flex in that. Yeah. I mean, literally around the world. So habits get broken regularly. And then you, you kind of jump in and, and I've noticed this about you and part of why you have you here is you do jump right back in, you know, but I would say habits with God, habits with your family, have, ha- I mean, with your kids, habits with your wife, like with the people, those get broken, you have to do it. So, so kind of how have you, how have you maintained like the steadfastness in the midst of kind of what's a little bit of a chaotic life for you in this season? I read a lot of C.S. Lewis. <laughs> uh, honestly, there's a, a lot of, uh, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of audio books. Uh, I actually listen to Boggy Talk and then I'll re-listen to it sometimes. I'll download it. I'll... Hear that? Listen to it twice. <laughs> listen to it twice. Definitely. <laughs> is, is that because you're fact checking us? Uh, or no, you, yeah. If you listen to it backwards, you might get another uh, secret <laughs> message. <laughs> like the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Some kind of stealth message. Uh, oh stealthy, man. Stealthy. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Attend church regularly. It comes in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, uh, Jumping back into it, like you're talking about, you may see me. I may not actually remember it because I'm still working with a, uh, a sleep cycle that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but I will say, Do you find that's really hard at this stage of life too. Like oh, the, sleep, the older like- I get, right? The older I get, somewhere around forty, it just hit me in the in the face. I was like, man. I mean, you guys are young. But oh. Justin's the old man of the state. I think so. I think I may be the oldest. I oh, may be yeah. the oldest. So, because uh, we just established, I'm a year or two older than you. Okay, so yeah, All right, and, you're uh, in the middle. I'm right All in the right. middle. So, I sh- yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, getting back to that, like the uh, honestly, my my answer is going to be habits again. Uh, but it's really going to be the the habits of where I go when I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Where do you go when you're tired? What do you do when you're just like I'm exhausted? I don't want to do anything. That right there, and any. In any uh, uh, life pattern that I've found, what do you do when you're exhausted? Um, and I've got some apps on my phone that will read, read scripture to me as I fall asleep. Like simple thing. That's, psh, read that chapter of the Bible and when it's done, it goes to sleep and it's done. And, you know, like saturating yourself in the word as far as a habit goes is probably the best thing I could, I could recommend. Because what happens when I come back is I go to my habits. Um, but I, I will say that there is a lot of intentionality. Um, I have to structure my sleep and my travel when I come home. Like I know when I come home, I need to. I have made the choice. I predecided um, that I am going to get to church. If I am, if I land here at six in the morning, I'm still going to church. I'm going to do my best. There are times it doesn't happen. I'm just like, I love you, honey. I'm going to bed. Like I'm literally going to pass out because my body quit. Uh, that happens. But the the default is that I, I know I'm, I'm going to attend the, the church. I'm going to attend things that my, my kids are, are uh, yeah, got going on. If it's a concert, if it's a performance, if it's something else, that's a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I'm, I'm thinking of several different books again. Uh, and I go back to C.S. Lewis. Uh, one of his quotes is that uh, good and evil operate on compound interest, which is why every little decision you make matters. Because you are investing in eternity, or you're investing in yourself, or you're investing in not eternity with every little choice you make. Mm. And so I, I try to keep that at the forefront of my mind. Like, all right, the next 10 minutes of my life, I get to choose to blank. Um, and, you know, I'm not always good about that. I'm not very good about that. In fact, like there are times it's like, oh, I'm turning my brain off. I'm going to go do blank, whatever. Uh, but coming back to that, that, that cycle and that rhythm of what we saturate ourselves with. You know who we spend our time with. You know the what is it the uh, 
the the saying, uh, your personality takes on the traits of the 10 people you spend the most time with. Well, you two are actually, well, two of those people. So hopefully, you know, those people that I spend that time with, what do I, what is my mental and emotional diet? What do I listen to? Who do I pay attention to? Um, that that I think crafts. A That's lot why of Justin has become more salty. He's been spending all this time working with me. <laughs> oh man! Has he started? Has I he those moments out of August. <laughs> has he started listening to P Diddy or Taylor Swift? I, I don't listen to anything, man. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So, I, a question. So, you as you retired from uh, the military, or you, you exit military, and you were you know, you guys were like, what do we do next? Mm, you, yeah. you finally had this opportunity. I mean, you had some input into your military career, but a lot of it's determined by other people as well. But you, for the first time, were like, we get to do whatever we want, whatever we decide. And I think there's a lot of people in our content here in this community who are, who have just recently are about to be in that stage. So how did you guys now with this desire to God's vision for my life, not just my vision for my life, how did you guys approach that decision about where to live, what job to take, um, and really influenced by God's vision? Yeah, that was a, that was a hard call. That was a difficult call, but it was also an easy call. See, the, the military has given me a specific set of skills, <laughs> uh, and that was operating airplanes. Um, <laughs> so I was like, that, that was a very narrow skill set. Um, I ended up applying to multiple uh, airlines and, and going to the airline road. But before that, probably two or three years before that, we sat down and said, we are approaching a fork in the road. The very obvious answer for most military pilots, a lot of military pilots, said, oh, well, I'm going to keep operating airplanes. I didn't want to just be like, that's the assumption, that standard assumption. And I spent a lot of time in prayer uh, when we were actually in Romania about that. And that is one of those ones where I hear, heard a very clear answer from God and through God and through my wife, uh, through the church that we were attending. Um, like God's like, really? You can take this any road. I, I would consider, consider myself lucky for getting that answer. Um, he didn't say, you know what your future is? Your future is going to be driving the trash truck. I'm like, uh, okay, well, if that's where you want me to go, but we're going to have to move. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, the, a lot of time in prayer. In that particular case, I identified a time in my uh, day was my commute, and I could listen to a podcast, and then I could shut it off and just listen to God, which was really hard, especially in Bucharest traffic. But uh, it was it was really neat because he showed up and just kind of spoke to me in some quiet tones there and some some of the things I would hear throughout the day. Just made it like, look, man, you're stressing this decision. I was stressing it pretty hard. Um, stop it. I'm there. Mm. Just just listen to me. And it's okay. If you go where you're going to go and you, you just want to go do that, I've got you. Um, and it was not a straight line. Uh, it was not a straight line at all. I worked at a couple of different places. I worked at a staff in the military and career dead guy who got passed over, um, ended up in a different military unit. But it was that, that uh, <laughs> I, I keep going back to habits, but that habit of, all right, God. And it's become stronger and stronger the more I use it. Mm. So it's beginning my career. It's like, what do I want to do? And now it's like, what do you want to do? Mm. And mm. It's, it's been a very long road on that. But that's mm. how, how we navigated that. It was years. Literally years of trying to hear the right answer in that decision. It was tough. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. And I guess I would just kind of ask last question for you is um, if you have anything else you want to say to the Boggy Talk faithful, um, 
you know, you can hold your comments for the unfaithful later. Mm-hmm. I, actually, you know, I was thinking a reformed podcast, they probably call their listeners the, the unfaithful, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, because they do that. Like, I'll come all you unfaithful. Yeah, There's unfaithful, a song. Yeah, it's yeah. actually pretty good. But, but <laughs> anyway, so we call our followers, right? Listeners. What are they called? Subscribers. Friends, friends, the Boggy Talk faithful. And uh, what would you just kind of say to summarize all this uh, uh, word of advice? Oh, man. Um, and it, it, I, I would love to say that I've always knew what to say if I get a microphone put in my face. And here I am for the first time with a microphone in my face. Jesus loves you. You can hear his voice. And he has good things for you. It's not a prosperity gospel, but he has very good things for you. Uh, lean in. When it's when it's hard, when it's complicated and confusing, lean in, listen harder, uh, and he will talk to you. If you ask him, he will talk to you. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good word to end on right there. Thanks, man. But what great wisdom from you. So I, I wrote down as you were as you were sharing habits, humbling moments, and other people. You know, God using the church, God using uh, the the disciplines that we uh, enact in our life, and then. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, we do have to walk through um, humbling moments when we maybe screw things up or uh, just not listened and done our own thing, but God humbles us in those things. So, man, thanks thanks for that good word. Well, thanks for having me here. All right. So uh, we can answer some questions or we can save those questions for next time. Uh, let's time. Go, let's, let's go with the he gets us. That's all right. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. We can get, we can, yeah. We'll do one question. We'll save the next one for next time. Uh, just for time. But um, here's a question we received. What do we think about the he gets us? campaign. All right. So if you're not familiar with the He Gets Us campaign, this has been going on, I think it started last year during the Super Bowl, and then there was another ad. Uh, It's been an ongoing uh, advertisement, and then there's a website. Um, And then specifically, the ad that aired in this year's Super Bowl um, was somewhat controversial amongst some because it depicted uh, people washing other people's feet in specific scenarios. And then the the, the tagline was, Jesus doesn't teach hate, he gets us. Um, so what do we think about that? So what do you, I'll, you go ahead and then I'll, I'll follow up. Jeff Bliss, what do you think about it? I think there's a lot of missing context. Okay. There's a lot of missing context there that Jesus had a relationship with his disciples, a rabbi, a teacher, a leader to his disciples. And in that context, him doing that was Mm. way, mm. way out mm. of out of line mm. uh, for, for what was normal in the, in the time. So th- mm. and these are a bunch of men who are going, I should be washing your mm. feet. Mm. That attitude is totally missing from that mm. commercial. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think um, <laughs> I think the answer is nuance. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, so I, I think about like the people who are just like so angry about it. I'm like, well, what about like holding John 316 up, right? Like at, at a game, right? Like that's not the full story. Like for God so loved the world, he gave his one only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. Well, that do, that verse doesn't talk about repentance. It doesn't talk about the next verse, you know? So like, is there something inherently wrong and in just like holding up Jesus loves you, right? Because that's not the full gospel message. I, and, and I think like you can't, you can't like <laughs> in an ad necessarily walk through like the whole like gospel message necessarily, right. you know? So, so I do think like chill out a little bit, people who are super angry, but also at the same time, like, I think this just reveals like, 
the the reality of where we're at, that there are those who are behind that ad who, you know, are, are saying things that are misleading, right? Like they're not really giving the full gospel. There is some liberal agenda, you know, behind it. I mean, most of the people depicted washing feet again were the, you know, who you perceive as conservative and it's trying to say, hey, they should wash feet. Like, you know, and so, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I, I did, I posted something on social media. It was like, he gets us and, you know, just, just to give that, that perspective. But I do think there's some value of having quick, simple ads with a link to get people to follow and then hear the full gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, I do, I do think that, um, but, but the roots of the, he gets this movement is definitely, I mean, like if you tr- follow it, it's, it's kind of more of a progressive Christianity, um, intentionally or unintentionally. And so I think the, the criticism is valid in that standpoint, but then the criticism isn't valid of like, do we really have to get into full like apostles creed on a, <laughs> on a 30 second right. Super Bowl ad? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think so much is missing in the context and granted it is a, it's an ad, so you can't you can't give context and nuance everything. We can't even do that in a 40-minute sermon on Sundays and right. nuance every uh, situation. I think a context is key. As you know, one of the things we were talking about with our kids, because they the commercial came on and they were like, oh, did you see that? So we talked about it. It came on again recently in something we were watching. And we were just trying to help them understand, like, here's what they're trying to do. And and while I think like that the co- the, the the commercial itself would play really well at like a Christian conference or to help people like understand like, Hey, we're called to serve people on a, in a scale, like the Super Bowl or other ads. Like what I think probably was the end result was more Christians being offended and, and more so the people who were depicted as the ones having their feet washed being like, yeah, yeah. Jesus doesn't teach hate. And it comes, it gets communicated as this tolerance and acceptance of all things uh, more. And granted, Christians should serve and wash feet right, of all right. people. Like we're not arguing that like we should, and we should, yeah. you know, like Jesus tells us that, like, you know, we're to serve our and en- love our enemies, like, uh, like all those things, but it's just, you can't fit the context in it. And also Christians don't be so easily offended. Yeah. I think, I think we don't like that word hate, um, but God hates sin, you know? Yeah. And, and I do oh, think yeah. we, I think part of like the vitriol is the reality that this is another, another step towards like the denial of the wrath of God and the wrath of God is real and repentance is needed. And so repent and believe. And so, so I I just think that what's interesting is I had actually several non-Christian friends on social media who were offended by the ad because of how much money was spent. Yeah. So it was, I was like. And they were mad at conservative Christians. I was like, this is so funny because like I've got my somewhat liberal non-Christian friends upset at conservative Christians about this ad. And then I got my ultra conservative Christian friends upset at liberals for this ad. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and on one hand, that's like Jesus, right? right? And the other hand, it's not like Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. Like, I, that's why I, I don't really like church advertising. Like it's hard. Yeah. We don't do a ton of it here, you know? And I think there's, that's part of it. It's because you get, you catch, you keep people with what you reach them with. Right. And so like what we should be reaching with them is a person sharing the gospel with them, according to Romans chapter 10. So anyway, I I, I get it. I'm not anti, I'm not mad. I didn't see it and throw my TV, you know, because then I'd have to buy a new one. I'd be really (laughs) upset about that. But like, you know, anyway, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say. He does get us. Yeah. Oh Yeah. 
Yeah. I saw someone post like, he's going to get you. And I'm like, that's probably not the that's response. A little, a little like, bit different. Yeah. That's probably not the good ad. Like Turner, yeah. Turner burn, like the devil, go to church or the devil's going to get you yeah. driving up oh, on yeah, I-65. Yeah. Right. That. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh, probably man. not good either. Yeah. Well, what would Jesus do? He'd probably turn off the TV. Yeah. That's a great quote. <laughs> All right. Well, we should close with a Mount Rushmore since we well, asked Mount Jeff Rushmore. to do a Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So uh, I'll start. How about that? And then uh, we'll let you guys uh, finish here. So um, our guests, you get to go last and you get to, you know. So we did our presidential moments for Mount Rushmore. Because of so, president. Because it was President's Day yesterday. And so uh, my four most memorable presidential moments are as follows. First, when I was there, when Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, <laughs> it put chills on my spine. No, I'm going with things that I remember. The first one I actually technically don't remember because it was like four. Uh, but it was played so much when I was young, it stands out. And that was... Ronald Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. So, uh, and you know, what ensued after that? Man, it was just so good, you know? I mean, you know, or, yeah, Mr. Gorbachev, right? Tear yeah, down this wall, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, um, anyway, so that, that was big and just the end of the Cold War and all that stuff. Um, number two uh, would probably be, uh, truthfully, when, uh, y'all gonna laugh, but when Donald Trump, you're like, what was memorable about right. Donald Trump? Skipped a couple. No, <laughs> I was driving home from, I, am I going chronologically? Oops, I did. Oh, well, I messed up the chronological order because I don't want to end with Trump. But uh, whenever he was talking through COVID in that press conference, we were driving home from uh, Nashville and I was so mad, but I felt like he captured like this, he was frustrated, but also didn't know what to do and was trying to make the best decision. And I just felt like, actually, that's very presidential to say I'm making the best decision with what I know right now. And like even for Trump going against his instinct, because his, his instinct was don't close anything down, right? And so I felt like it just helped me a little bit in that moment because I was so mad, you know, that we were shutting yeah. the world down, you know, because yeah. anyway, so so I thought that, I thought he did good with that, you know, uh, and then he would start saying stupid stuff after that. But um, number three would be Obama after the Charleston uh, Methodist Church when he spoke at the funeral and he sang Amazing Grace, and just yeah. the emotion. And, you know, I we... I disagree with a lot of Obama's politics, as do many people. But that dude is a great statesman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he he did he had a lot of good moments, but that one in particular. And I mean, Amazing Grace, seeing an Amazing Grace, the president seeing an Amazing Grace in two thousand and whatever yeah. year that was. And number one is post nine eleven George W. Bush, uh, because dude, he was just the man for the hour. Uh, and um, could you imagine if Al Gore was president when that happened, right? Because, you know, oh, they, yeah, I mean, that would have just, anyway. But Bush, and just specifically that night when he spoke, uh, I think it was that night or the next night when he spoke, you know, in, in the chamber. And I think there was something already scheduled. And so they just did it anyway. And um, there's so many great moments. I'm throwing out the pitch, all that post 9-11. So passing it off to you, Justin. All right. So we had, uh, I love how you you mentioned Obama and Trump so that you could offend both sides, yes. <laughs> extremes of our yes, hockey yes, talk yes. listeners. <laughs> so, that's right. That. Uh, <laughs> uh, so two of mine were the same. I So I was old enough to actually remember the, you know, Mr. Corey Tufter on that wall. I mean, I was like seven, but I do remember like we watched it in school, like it played it over and over again. So that was one of, and then, uh, the not post 9 11, uh, George W. Bush, just the this the initial speech. Yeah. I was actually overseas during 9 oh, 11 wow. in South oh, Korea, wow. so it actually hit very differently because we weren't here to experience the wow. just the the feeling of being in the states. Yeah. So, um, but wa- watching that and uh, just letting the that was probably when the gravity of it really hit me, uh, yeah. j- just watching him and watching that speech. So, um, 
Two others, I would, I, one is related to Obama, but it's not, I mean, that that's a great moment. I just remember when he was elected the first time, I mean, this was the historical election, the first African-American yeah. president. And I just remember, uh, you know, again, you know, I don't agree with any one president on anything, but uh, so definitely differences uh, there, but huge respect for him and, and just what that meant for our country. I think it was a great moment. And then the other uh, is not really, it's more of a pre-presidential moment, uh, because, but it's seared in my mind. Uh, the election of, of 2000 when uh, George W. Bush and Al Gore, uh, and so we're, the reason this was um, in my mind is because I was actually in Richmond, Virginia at the at the International Mission Board like training center. And uh, we this, with this group of 100 other people who were being commissioned to go overseas and serve. And we were watching the election results together. And it was really interesting because, you know, people would assume that with the IMB, the SBC, uh, everyone is super conservative, but there were a significant number of people who really wanted Al Gore to win that. And so there was camaraderie, but also tension in the room. And then it wasn't even decided because of the Florida <laughs> hanging Chad. Right. Oh, the moment, hanging Chad. The hanging Chad moment. Uh, and so yes. it wasn't decided for like officially for a week. And so I, I'll just never forget, like, and I was, you know, 21. And I just remember being like, so my world, I just was like, wow, like, Christians disagree on a lot of things, but they still love each other. This is amazing because uh, it's you know not necessarily the environment he grew up in. So um, that's how I hear your voice when I think of twenty-one-year-old Justin. <laughs> yeah. too. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, the male voice isn't let, mature until it's in its thirties. So late, it's a late puberty thing. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mister Bliss, you give us yours. All right, so I, I got a couple in in uh, uh, parallel with you guys. Uh, the first one I had was. Uh, Drew Dub, 9-11. Uh, that was uh, very very much seared into my mind, waking up in a, a dorm room and finding out we're under attack. And the next day, it's like getting to watch the, the – the, I think it was that very next day, getting to watch the president address, like, hey, here's what's going on. Um, but seared into my mind is the uh, the picture of G-Dub reading to a bunch of kids, and he has a Secret Service guy whispering in his ear, and he's holding this yeah, book upside that. down. He's got that book. He's like, you were not reading that book, were you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was that. That just kind of seared in my memory. Uh, before that, actually, uh, is George H. W. Bush. This is when I eight or nine years old, uh, so probably nine years old, and then um, watching the uh, the beginning of hostilities, Gulf War One. Uh, just where where I was, I just remember you know sitting there like, war, we're at war. Is dad going to make it home alive from work? Like the the irrational fears of a nine-year-old kid. Uh, but that's definitely seared into my brain. Um, then uh, I, I do have an Obama memory in there. But mine is thoroughly different than him being elected. Mine was the background. So 2015, he made a historic visit to Kenya. And at the time, I was stationed in uh, Europe. And I had to do – in the office that I was working, I had to do the support for that event. And I got to see firsthand for three weeks – how much goes into that guy crossing an ocean, mm. uh, that office crossing an ocean, just how much like I was interfacing with probably 10 different countries. I had all these federal agencies, some of which I never knew existed before. Uh, but the amount of support that moves with that guy when he moves is absolutely amazing. And so I had you just totally trumped us there. You're, yeah, oh, you're, yeah. you're welcome. No pun intended. No, it was it was Obama, not Trump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that was that that's just here. Those three weeks, sleepless weeks of uh, work that went into that was it was it was really cool to be a part of that. Um, and then the last one I have was actually a COVID memory. Uh, so after the lockdown happened, 
Uh, there I am watching for the first time this production called Hamilton. Uh, those who haven't heard of it, uh, go watch it. Uh, I'm watching this, this show, and in the middle of the show, they introduce George Washington. And never has a U.S. president been introduced with so much pomp, hip-hop, and circumstance. It was so cool. I was like, oh, I want to learn more about George Washington. Does that count as, does that count as a memory there? No, but that's okay. Uh, Justin breaks the rules all the time. Right. Oh, okay. And now we're all singing, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. George W., uh, George W., the real one, George Washington, is my favorite president. Oh. If you read about it, it's oh, just, I awesome. mean, yeah. he... I just don't – I know that some do, but I don't think we appreciate his willingness yeah. to not become a king. Mm. Yeah. To, to, I mean just what – how he changed the world by his humility like mm. is really pretty cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of changing the world with humility. <laughs> what a segue. segue. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, we're curious. What are your what are your presidential moments, uh, Boggy Talk? Let us know. But hey, uh, Jeff – yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's just no, we're not. Uh, we want to know. Uh, so we're going to get some texts about that. Uh, so, but Jeff, thank you so much. Yes, one for you. being for being you, uh, and for Rachel being Rachel, and your kids are just they're great. Uh, Brody and uh, Aria, just you, just we love you guys, and are so thankful that God has you here. Uh, and it's great to hear from you, just how God's been faithful, how He's been working, and how He's continuing to work. And we just uh, pray. Uh, for you, for us, for all of us, that we have God's vision as our vision. Uh, so thanks for everything you shared and Boggy Talk. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.